I heard the bells on Christmas Day. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. I thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, like many other Christmas carols, was not written to be sung at all. Rather, it was written as a poem. And not until nine years later was it set to music that is so now familiar to us. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, the author of this poem, was often inspired by stories he read in his morning paper or by some incident in his own personal life that moved him greatly. At such times, he would sit down and write quickly, would soon have on paper a poem expressing his deepest emotion. Longfellow, along with all his countrymen, was deeply concerned with the tragedy of the Civil War. And when his son, Charles, was severely wounded while serving with the Army of the Potomac, the tragedy became a personal one. It happened shortly after Thanksgiving Day, 1863, and the days preceding that Christmas were anxious ones for the Longfellow family. The poem written before the New Year expresses the grief the father felt and yet ends on a note of hope for the future of mankind. It is because this hope is universal and because it is timeless that this carol has as much meaning for us now as for those who lived at the time it was written. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was never known as a gloomy person. Rather, he was so friendly and gentle that he was known as the children's point and was always delighted when any of his young admirers paid him a visit. Longfellow came from a happy, understanding family. He was born in Portland, Maine in 1807, the second of five children. He had an older brother and three younger sisters. His first years were impressionable ones, and he remembered his first school, Mamfellow's Infant School. Although he was sent there at the age of three, it certainly bore very little resemblance to the attractive nursery schools of today. Mamfellows believed in being severe, and one of her rules was that there should be no smiling during school hours. But later, when he was old enough to go to regular school, Henry found learning to his liking. At an early age, he loved to write and often composed verses, which he showed only to his mother. Once he admired a poem, anonymously, of course, submitted the poem he wrote to the town paper and was more than delighted when the editor printed it. One of his early recollections was of standing on top of a hill and watching a sea battle taking place in the harbor. This was during the War of 1812, and the battle was between the British brig, the Boxer, and the American ship, the Enterprise. Years later, he recorded that event in a poem. Henry was ready to enter college when he was 14, but his mother thought he was too young to leave home, so he waited another year. It was just about this time that Maine became a separate state. Because of the loyalty that all its citizens felt toward the newest of states, the Longfellows chose Bowden College 
and Brunswick, Maine, for their sons rather than Harvard, which so many young New England boys attended. Life wasn't easy in this new college that Henry studied hard and graduated third in his class. He was given the class oration to write, and in it he expressed the idea that he was to carry out later in his own writings. He believed that America should have its own national literature, and American writers should not borrow old world themes. His poems Hiawatha, The Courtship of Miles Standish, and Evangeline were one day to prove the wisdom of this belief. Henry's father had hoped his sons would study law and become his partners, but Henry had other ideas, for he had never wavered from his ambition of having a literary life, and with his mother's encouragement to back him up, he finally persuaded his father that his career lay in this direction. Following a further year of study at Harvard and another abroad studying languages, he came home to accept a professorship at his alma mater, Bowdoin College. The next year, he was married to Mary Potter, the daughter of one of the Portland's judges. His marriage to Mary was a very happy one, but of short duration, for she died the next year while they were traveling abroad. Henry had accepted a position at Harvard, but it was with a heavy heart that he assumed his new duties. Looking for a room rather than for the house he had hoped to have, he found lodgings with the widow Craigie in a house that was one day to be his own. The next years were rewarding ones for the young professor. Not only was he successful in his teaching, but he was also being acclaimed enthusiastically for his poetry. And in May of 1843, he again found happiness in his marriage to Frances Appleton whom he had done for several years. Francis' father, knowing Henry's fondness for the house where he was living, bought Craigie House and presented it to the young couple as his wedding gift. Although Longfellow was again to know tragedy in the death of a little daughter and later on in that of his wife, yet he always seemed to have a quality in his writing that gave comfort and pleasure to his readers. His kindness and generosity were well known, and his home became one place distinguished visitors from abroad always wanted to visit. He was known and loved all over the world, and men, women, and children grieved when the poet of Craigie House died in 1882.